Okay, well, let's continue our series. Are you guys excited to get in the Word? Anybody? Yes. I'm excited for the Word today. Today is going to feel a little more like teaching. Um, we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. Um, this, is a, this is a little more informational, I guess you would say, if that, if that, if that is what it is. Um, we are doing a series called Elementary where we're going through the elementary doctrines of Christ. We're laying a foundation again of, of good doctrine. And so why not start with what Paul said, right? That makes sense. He lists six things for us that, that he says are important. And so let's read them this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In verse 1, it says this, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, so these are the elementary things. We're going to move on to maturity. Therefore, not let us, excuse me, read that already. Um, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and, instruct, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And these we will do if God permits. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is foundational to our life. I thank you that your spirit and your word lead us into maturity, Father. To, to, Lord, our desire as a church and as a body of Christ is to go on to maturity, to, to go on to the deep things that you have for us, Father. But we will know we have to have a foundation. And so I pray you speak to every single person in this room. Help us to lay a foundation of good doctrine and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we talked about faith towards God, talked about repentance from dead works, and last week we talked about baptisms, right? Which, if you weren't here, that, instru that instruction about washings is the, really the word baptisms. Today we're going to talk about laying on of hands. Surprise. Anybody else shocked about that? I've got to be honest with you, I'm blown away. Like, if you, 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 t you ask Paul, hey Paul, what are the six things that you would say are foundational in Christ? I would not have expected him to list laying on of hands, right? Like if you, if, if the board asked me tomorrow, if the board said to me, hey, Steve, we want to rewrite our fit statement of faith, okay? Will you, will you start us a new statement of faith? And I got to writing and I'm like, okay, what, what are the things that are real foundational to, to our beliefs? I don't think laying on of hands would have made the list, right? Is anybody else surprised? Like, what Paul laying on of hands? Okay, faith. I get I get faith, and I get repentance, and I get baptisms, right? And we're going to talk about eternal judgment and so forth and so. Laying on of hands, does that even make sense? This is what I want to propose to you. Laying on of hands is foundational because of what it represents. Laying on of hands is foundational because of what happens through laying on a hands, which you will find in almost every single church's statement of faith. When, when we talk about the laying on of hands, it's vital to the church and the continuation of the church. Because human touch is important, is it not? It is, right? What happens when mama has a sick child? What's the very first thing she does? Comforts, cuddles. Puts her hand on the forehead, makes sure, see if they have a fever, right? Very first thing that she does. What happens when, when two men who haven't seen each other in a while see each other? Handshake, right? If you're real close, you get a bro hug, right? 
right? What happens on the foyer in Sunday mornings? We're often found hugging each other in love because it's important. Human touch communicates significance. It communicates importance. And in this case, it also communicates to us God's anointing and God's power. And it's, and it's very foundational to our faith. And we're going to see this all throughout Scripture. It's not just New Testament. It is also Old Testament. It was foundational from the very beginning, this laying on of hands. I have this morning five things that I want to point out to you that are significant about laying on of hands. Five things that are transmit, transmitted, commissioned when we, lay, when we have laying on of hands. The first one I have for you this morning, if you're note-taking, there's going to be five things. The first one I have for you this morning is the blessing. The blessing is, is tra- transferred through the laying on of hands. And we see this all throughout, especially the Old Testament. Right from the very beginning in Genesis. Father after father laying their hands on, their, 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 on his children and blessing them. In fact, that is how Genesis kind of wraps up at the second to last chapter. Genesis 49, we see the the continuation of the blessing that God puts on Abraham, right? So let let me read Genesis 49, 28 says this. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. So these are the 12 sons of Jacob. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. So if you read through the story, he puts his hand on them and he blesses them. This is important. Guys, we should be practicing in this in the church. Fathers, you should be blessing your children. Mothers, bless your children. Kids, seek your father's blessing. Dad, don't forget I'm the oldest. I get the best, best blessing. Don't forget that. It's important. It's important. <laughs> we, you should, we should, this should be common practice in the church. You know, our family practices, we really do. We do this often. I oftentimes bring the kids together. I will put a blessing on them. I anoint them with oil. We do this anytime something new happens. We start school. We take a trip. We do this every single birthday. We, we, We bless the kids every single birthday. We do this during the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve. We, we do it every single year, multiple times a year. Because it's very, very important. It's something that should be practiced in our families. We don't, this doesn't have to necessarily be just our children also. It can be our spiritual kids. It can be our mentors. It can be whoever you want to pray for you and bless you. If you don't know exactly what to pray, this is what we use. We use the, the number six, you know, starting in verse 22, the, the priestly blessing over Israel. Fathers... Fathers, this is important because you are not only just the leaders of your home, you're also the priest of your home, right? So put a blessing on your kids. This is what number six says. So you can find this in number six. I want to encourage you this morning to pray this over your, your children, your mentors, people, your, your spiritually dis- discipling. It says this, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Pray that often in your families and in the church. Amen?
The second thing I have for you that, that is transferred through laying on of hands is authority. Authority is transferred through the laying on of hands. We find this again all throughout the scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, in multiple places. Let me just give you one. Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, it says this. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man whom is the spirit, now that word spirit is important, and lay your hand on him. Did you guys catch that? Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in the sight, in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And you shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall acquire for him by the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. So there's a couple things that I want you to to notice there. Joshua was a man that had the spirit in him. Spirit with a capital S, representing the Holy Spirit, right? And to have authority over the body of Christ, to have authority in the church over God's people, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again because this is so important. To have authority, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Joshua was a man that was led by the Spirit. To, we, we cannot get to a place that we allow people to not be led by the Spirit when they're leading God's people. Let God be the shepherd. You are just the vessel. That's important. The wisdom to lead God's people does not come from you, but it comes from God. Let me, let, me share, let me say that again. The wisdom to lead God's people does not come from you or anyone else. It comes from God. Let me show you this. Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says this about Joshua. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. He was given the Spirit of God, which leads to wisdom, to lead God's people. It's important. We have to make sure that that's a part of what we do. The next thing you will notice is that this is done publicly, isn't it? There's no behind-the-scenes handshakes. There's no, hey, you know, maybe we're going to put you in charge. We're going to get you in there. No. When, when Joshua is ready to lead, it is made known publicly that he's the one that's going to be in charge when Moses is gone, Right? It's a public action. It's a public action. The next point I have for you about laying on of hands is that we oftentimes receive the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Now, let me be clear. This is not the only time that we receive the Holy Spirit, right? Like we read the book of Acts and we're like, okay, they received the Holy Spirit without the laying on of hands. But it was often common practice throughout the book of Acts, and we see that over and over again in the book of Acts, that people would pray for one another, and they would lay hands on them, and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Let me read it to you, Acts chapter 19, and here's one of the places. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. 
And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with, ba with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and began to speak in tongues and prophesy prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? I, I want you to know that it's important to be praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit, to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. I have a really good friend of mine who was raised in a, in a church that absolutely would never say that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They would say, once you're saved, that's the baptism, that's it, it's not anything else. They would, they, they would never preach on tongues. They would never preach on the gifts of the Spirit. They don't believe in it, okay? So as he grows up in this church and he becomes an adult, he's reading his Bible and he's like, wait a minute. It feels like there's more. And he said that really, really bothered him for a long time. Even though he's attending this church that would tell you there is no more, he's like, I feel like I should have rivers of living water flowing out of me. I feel like something should be different. And one day he meets a missionary um, and got to know him. The guy was a missionary in Japan, gets to, know, gets to know him. And one day he says, hey, you live a completely different life. You served Jesus your entire life over in Japan. Your kids served Jesus their entire lives. Your great-grandkids are missionaries. What sets you apart? And he says to him, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And at that, Levi was like, wait a minute, What? Can will you pray for me? Sure, come over tonight. I'll pray for you. Comes over to his house. He's there. His kids. Are, some of his kids are there. Some of his grandkids are there. Levi stands in the middle. They lay hands on him. They pray for him. And all of a sudden, Levi says, "All of a sudden, the whole world opens up." He's like, "I feel different than I have ever felt in my entire life." It was like this flood of the Holy Spirit that I had never... He's like, I was saved. I had the Holy Spirit in me. But then this was completely different. He says, I got in my truck. I start praying in tongues. Never had that happen before. He said it was completely different. And all started with a missionary laying hands on him and praying for him. Church, we need to do that. That's important. The next one I have for you, the next point I have for you this morning is that we lay hands on people to commission them for ministry. Now, this one is pretty common. We see this in many, many different churches and across denominations. It's very biblical. We should be laying hands on people when, when we commission them for ministry. It's important. Let's look at the Acts chapter 6 here. It says this, Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellestine arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of, of, of wisdom. Do you guys remember that from Exodus, right? Same spirit, same spirit of wisdom giving Give, leading the people of God, but full of the spirit of wisdom, 
whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And there's so much to unpack there. One day we're going to preach through the book of Acts. We're going to get there. But for today, verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pecorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. They commissioned them for ministry, right? They were set apart for the body of Christ to serve in a ministry. We need to do this more often. We need to be able to, not just when someone decides to become a pastor or a missionary, but when someone says, I want to lead that ministry, I want to serve the body of Christ, we should bring them up and lay hands on them and pray that God, is, God, God blesses them in that, right? Now, some of you might be like, well, they were just serving. Everybody serves. Everybody's supposed to serve. Right? They weren't really preaching or teaching. But I want you to know something that's really important here. This is really important. Every minister, before they ever preach or teach, should start by serving, God, serving the body of Christ in just a humble fashion. If you don't have the humbleness to just serve tables, you have no business preaching from the pulpit. It's absolutely vital. That should be the common practice. And sometimes we have this so messed up in the church. We have this so messed up. Have you guys ever heard this before? Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I think it's true. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And we see this in this scripture. This is exactly what happens. Stephen preaching the gospel. So he goes from serving tables to preaching the gospel. And he becomes the first martyr in the book of Acts. Philip goes from serving tables to preaching the gospel on the mission field. And that is exactly how it should be. We should recognize those people that are called to serve the body of Christ in love. Lay hands on them. And then when God sees somebody that's, that has that heart of, oh, they love the church. They love the church. They'll serve the church. They will wait tables. That's when... God often promotes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Another thing about laying on of hands. It transfers spiritual gifts. Paul writes to his spiritual son Timothy and he says this. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhort, to teaching. Now, on a side note, because you know this is my soapbox, the public exhortation teaching does not mean staying home and sitting and watching online. It's public for a reason. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit wrote that by accident. We come together as the body of Christ that's the way it should be for the, for the exhortation, the teaching of the word of God. It's important. That's a side note. Verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders, elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. 
Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, by so doing, you will save yourself and your hearers. You can receive spiritual gifts when elders lay their hands on you and pray for you. God blesses you in that way. This has happened to me on many occasions, over and over again. One time, right before I left uh, Bible College, Christ for the Nations, um, I had a teacher, and he was a great man. He would spend all his life on the mission field. He was an older man. And he wanted to pray for the entire class before, before dismissal, before graduation. And so when he prays for me, he lays his hands on me, he's praying, and he begins to pray, and he says this. He says, when you go back home, and at that point in time, I didn't even think I was going back home. Like, I thought I was staying in Dallas. When you go back home, God is going to give you a vision and a passion for a youth group. God is going to open your mind and give you ideas and thoughts that aren't from you, but they're, but they're completely from God, and you're going to lead this youth group. And I said, no, thank you. I had no intention whatsoever of ever leading a youth group. Fast forward a couple years later, I'm back home, and I'm about ready to launch a middle school youth group. And I still, I don't have any real passion for it. I'm just like, hey, this is what just needs to be done in the church. It's going to happen. And one day I was sitting there praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits me. And I start getting this passion inside of me, this like burning desire to build this youth group. And all these ideas start coming to me. And, I'm th- and, I, and so I start all these different, different aspects of how to reach this, these middle school youth, youth kids. And before I know it, over the three years of being a youth pastor, like it, sometimes I had as many as 50 kids. That did not come from me. That came from the Holy Spirit. That was gifted to me from the laying on of hands. It's so important that we're doing this. We have, to, we have to be praying for the next generation. We have to be praying for people to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit. The last thing I'm going to talk to you about this morning that is transmitted by the laying on of hands is, is healing. Healing is, trans, is transmitted from the laying on of hands. Let me read this in James chapter 5. It says this. James 5, 13, some of my favorite scripture right here. If it, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit." Why, why do we anoint with oil? Why, why, have you ever thought about that for a minute? What's the point of anointing, anointing with oil? It's not the essential oils, guys. I know that just disappointed a lot of people. I'm sorry. There, there was not, the purpose was not essential oils. I'm sorry. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. It's a recognition that we don't heal. There's no healing power being transferred from one person to the next. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we are healed. That's it. 
The oil represents that. I wholeheartedly believe God heals today. I mean, I have witnessed it in my own life. I, I mean, I sat in a doctor's office with, with my son Ezekiel. And I sat there as the, as, the, as the doctor questioned me. And he said, so you don't have, Ezekiel's not having any seizures anymore. Nope. We took him before the church. We prayed for him. And he hasn't had a single seizure since. So they've just completely come to an end. Absolutely. A few minutes later, he's like, you know, if I was, this is the weirdest thing. If I was betting, I think they sent the wrong scans. At one point in time, his brain looked like this, and now it looks completely different. I'm not so sure the hospital didn't get him mixed up. And I looked at that man, and I said, or maybe God just completely healed him of seizures. Amen? Yes. He's still seizure-free today. And I want you to know that God still heals today. He still heals today. That was right after we brought him before the church, and we prayed for him and laid hands on him. Josh, if you want to come forward, I want to close with this thought. Throughout the entirety of the Bible, and really really all of history, laying on of hand, laying on of hands is continuity for spiritual things. Think about that. That's really what it is, right? Laying on of hands is continuity between Abraham's blessing, Isaac's blessing, Jacob's blessing. It's continuity. It's continuity with authority, Moses to Joshua and so forth and so forth. And one day, I'm hoping, I'm an old man, and, and we, we have a young man that's, that's going to pastor this church, and one day we're going to lay hands on him, and there will be continuity from that. And so forth and so forth. It's continuity with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts didn't come to an end. No, we just need to pray for them. We need to we need to lay hands on one another and pray for them. It's continuity. It's continuity. I read the story the other day. Anybody know who Coach Prime is? You guys know Coach Prime? Deion Sanders? I actually have a, a signed Deion Sanders jersey from Travis for doing their wedding. I love it. If you don't know who Deion Sanders is, that's okay. He is one of the best defensive backs in NFL history. If He's probably the best defensive back in NFL history. I mean, he was a complete shutdown corner. Most quarterbacks would not throw to his side. Uh, He's he going to intercept that ball, right? He didn't have a lot of interceptions because whatever receiver he's on, that he's done for the day. That's just it. It's over. That's how that worked. But now he's a coach for the Colorado Buffaloes, and he's taken a program that was largely considered the worst college football program it, it last year to being competitive, I think they're like three, four and three right now. So that's way better than winning, winning one game, being one and 11 that they were last year. They historically had the worst defense in college football history last year. Now they're competitive in every game almost that they play. Tra- Travis Hunter is a young man that plays for, for Deion Sanders. And um, he's con- by and large considered one of the best athletes in the country. He plays both offense and defense just like Deion did. He's a, he's a surefire top pick, if not the number one pick in the NFL draft. Quarterbacks usually go first, but this kid might be an exception. But he lacerated his liver a few games ago. This has happened a few games ago or whatever. I think he's back already. Lacerated his liver, and he's hurting. 
but they need Travis Hunter to win games. Like, they need him on the field. So they're, they're at practice one day, and this is going to be a little bit of the Steve Carr's paraphrase, but they're at practice one day, and, and Travis Hunter's like, hey, coach, I'm playing Saturday. There's nothing, not, nobody's keeping me out of the game Saturday. I'm playing. Deion Sanders comes over, puts his hand on his shoulder. Says, Travis, sorry, actually, son, son, look at me, look at me. He says, I want you to know something. Your calling is greater than my calling. What you're going to do in life is greater than what I will ever do in life. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But to, for that to happen, you have to be healthy. And for that reason, I'm not letting you play on Saturday. Church, spiritual things are so much more important than football. But it's the same thing. We need the continuity throughout the church generation to generation everybody needs to have a spiritual son or daughter that's willing to put a hand on them and bless them put a hand on them and pray for them put a hand on them and say listen your time's coming and what you do is going to be greater than what i'm doing but it's just not yet mature a little bit get these core foundations down a little bit that's what laying of hands does for us it's not the actual laying on of hands that does that. It's the power of God saying, hey, let me tell you, you're important to me. You're valuable to me. I need you. You're, the kingdom of God needs you. Let's pray together. Let's, let's impart that into you. That's what that means. That's why it's Paul List puts it as a core doctrine of our faith. So healing...